Good morning, coffee drinkers. I'm Hallie Sobel. I'm an estate planning attorney at Private Corporate Council in Orlando, Florida. We can be reached at 407-647-7887. This morning, I've brought a guest by the name of Larry Studer. He is an avid coffee drinker like you guys and my law partner at my firm, Private Corporate Counsel. He comes to us having over 38 years experience practicing law. Larry, would you tell us where you went to college and law school? I went to Florida State University for undergraduate, and then I went to the University of Florida Law School for the law degree. And that audience is going to want to know, who do you cheer for when it comes to football? No, not a fan, so I don't even keep up with what they're doing. Okay. And what brought you to Orlando, Florida? Um, my um, family moved here when I was a, a child, and so I've been here ever since. And what do you like best about practicing law? That's a good question. And what I would say is helping people come up with effective solutions. For instance, they want to live, who do they want to leave their property to and what's the best way to do that? That's, um, that's what I like doing. One of our topics today we're going to discuss is the durable power of attorney. I think it's one of the most important documents that we attorneys prepare in our practice, yet it's so misunderstood. Would you agree? Uh, I agree that it is, and it's an important document. There's so many important documents that to say it's the most important, but that's a fine distinction. But it is an important document. It can be very useful. And people have a lack of understanding as to what a power of attorney does and why do they need one. What is a durable power of attorney, if you'd share with us, and how is it used? Uh, a power of attorney is a written document that states that the I, the principal, authorize another person or persons to handle certain matters for me. And the reason it's written is so that other people will know that I've authorized this person to act for me and to handle certain matters. How many witnesses are there necessary on a durable power of attorney? I think the technically correct answer is that zero witnesses are required. However, um, for real property transactions, you have to have two witnesses and the document has to be notarized. Otherwise, it's not valid for um, real property transactions. And it's so common to have two witness and notarization that banks and other places, that's what they expect. And so to make it easily acceptable by banks, by closing agents, and by others, it's best to have two witnesses and to have the document notarized. Would you tell us what durable means? That, that's a matter that's of historical um, background. In the past, the theory was is that a power of attorney is a document authorizing an agent to act for the principal. So if the principal was incompetent, since the principal couldn't act, the agent couldn't act. But that frustrated one of the reasons for power of attorney is so that an agent could handle a matter if the principal were incompetent. So the legislature changed the law and authorized it to be continue to be valid if even if the principal were uh, incompetent, 
and they called it a durable power of attorney, meaning it continues to be valid even if the um, principal is incompetent and can't handle matters himself. The power of attorney law changed in 2011. Is the old document, the old durable power of attorney, still valid? Well, again, the technical answer is yes, but the change that occurred in 2011 used to be they authorized what's called a springing power of attorney, and that meant the person wasn't able, the agent wasn't able to act until the principal became incompetent, but that was kind of useless. Um, It also makes it where, how does a bank know somebody is incompetent? And so they changed the law in 2011. The the old powers of attorneys are still valid because that's what the law provided. However, as a practical matter, it's best to get a new power of attorney because what you want with a power of attorney is you want it to be accepted. You don't want banks and other third parties to say, sorry, we can't rely on that power of attorney because we don't know if this person cannot act. And so the easiest and the most effective way to do it is just have a new power of attorney authorizing um, the agent to act. I hear many variations of this um, call from a client where they have a loved one that's passed away and they go to the bank with a durable power of attorney and the bank won't honor it. Tell us about that. Yeah, the bank is correct in not honoring it. Once a person, the principal, is deceased, the agent um, cannot act for the principal. So it's immediately invalid when the person dies. Do you recommend finding a legal form online and using that as a durable power of attorney instead of going to a lawyer? Well, um, I can understand why people go online. I've done a lot of self-help. I was building a house and I did a lot of the work myself. With What that experience taught me is got to know when you can do it yourself and when you need somebody with knowledge and experience and training to handle the matter. And for a power of attorney, you're dealing with property that has a lot of value. Um, You're dealing real property transaction, bank accounts, income tax returns. And so if the other party, the bank or the closing agent or the IRS, if they will not accept the power of attorney because it's not correctly drafted, then you have a significant problem. And it can be a very costly problem because if, say, for example, a person is incompetent and they can no longer sign a power of attorney. So if you find out that the power of attorney you prepared yourself from an online form is invalid, you're stuck going with guardianship, which is very expensive. And so for some things, I would say power of attorney is the type of document that self-help is not the best way to go. It's better to get somebody with knowledge and training to prepare because when the need arises, you want to be it to be honored by the bank. You want it to be honored by a real property company. Um, you don't want to end up being stuck going to guardianship. Now, I hear this a lot in my practice. A couple comes in and they insist that they don't need a power of attorney because they're on each other's bank accounts and savings accounts. What is your position with that? Does a married couple need a durable power of attorney if their names are on each other's bank accounts? Well, being on each other's bank account doesn't allow them to pay bills, but there's a lot more to life than just paying bills. 
And I give you one example that shows the need for a power of attorney, even when there are joint bank accounts. I had a client who came in and um, he was married. They, he and his wife owned their home. The wife had become, had Alzheimer's and was no longer competent and they needed to sell the house. The problem that they had is, is that both spouses have to, had to sign the deed in order to sell the house. And because she was incompetent and the husband did not have a power of attorney for her, they could not sell the house. And so the only option they had was to pursue a guardianship. And again, guardianships, it's a court proceeding you have, and it's expensive. It's a lot cheaper to have a power of attorney and it's a effective way to minimize the cost and allow um, allow another person to provide you help when that need arises. You've just given a great example of when someone might need a durable power of attorney. I want to thank you, Larry, for answering these questions, and hopefully our audience um, learned something this morning. And now we're going to do something a little bit different. Larry has come to the table today with a topic that we've talked about from time to time, and he's going to pose a few questions to me. So I'll be in the hot seat. Larry? Okay. Yeah, this is a topic we've recently talked about because we've been dealing with this, both of us, at different times. And I'll just, assuming I'm like your client, I went to you, you prepared my will, and you provided me a copy, and you said you'd keep a copy. So I have the original will, and I think to myself, well, if I lose the original will, it's not a big deal because you have a copy and I have a copy. Am I right in my thinking? Well, not exactly. There's a presumption in the law if the original will is not produced into the probate court, the presumption is that that original will was destroyed or revoked by the testator. The testator is the person who signs and executes the will. So that presumption can be very difficult to um, overcome. So a copy won't necessarily uh, get you to probate court where you want to be. You know, the copy is a color copy, and it's exactly the same as my original Let's say I lose it, but I tell everybody this is my original, this is a copy of my original will and it's still valid. Isn't that good enough to get it into court without any trouble? Well, possibly. What you've shared is evidence that will be put before the probate court. She hears the different facts to make a determination if the presumption has been overcome. Remember, the presumption is it's been revoked or it's been destroyed if it's not submitted to court. Okay. What is involved in the court proceeding? Well, it's a court hearing, and it can be rather lengthy. Witnesses are called to determine the intent of the testator. In your example, you mentioned that you um, had told various people that you intended this to be your will. Other witnesses would be actual witnesses to the will, in addition to the notary public, and they would be witnesses. Another witness to testify in the court hearing would be the drafting attorney, and he or she would also testify. These type um, hearings can get very expensive. Attorneys are charging hourly fees, and it can really run up the attorney bill. 
Okay, so what you're saying is that it's very important that I protect that original will. Well, then what should I do with the original will? Well, there's two schools of thought. One is take it home and put it on your bookshelf there in your den and make sure you let loved ones know where it is. Second school of thought for those that are concerned about fire or hurricane destroying the home is to place it at the bank in a safe deposit box. And there the original would remain safe until your death. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. So that's all the questions that I have. Well, I thank you so much, Larry, for coming out today to meet our coffee drinkers. This gentleman drinks three to four cups a day himself, and we welcome him to our fold. Once again, my name is Hallie Zobel. I'm with Private Corporate Counsel, an attorney in Orlando, Florida. I can be reached at 407-647-7887. Welcome to Law Moment and have a terrific day.